Welcome to The Rutledge Perspective. I am your host, Laurel Rutledge, and this show is where we talk about the things that are top of mind as you navigate your career, whether corporate or otherwise. The plan is to get you out of your rut and talk you back off that ledge with insights and perspectives on the daily grind. Welcome to the village. Welcome to this week's episode of The Rutledge Perspective, and I am so glad you're here. Um, We are talking to another amazing woman this week, and I can't wait for you to hear her story because she is just incredible, and I had the pleasure of working with her. And so I'm going to read her bio to you, and then we're going to get started. Um, And her name is Dr. Alita Richards, and we're going to talk about why that's so important to say doctor. Um, She is the head of the Coatings, Adhesive, and Specialties, or CAS, sales and market development business unit for Covestro LLC. And in her role, she leads the North American CAS business and serves as a member of the Covestro U.S. Country Council. Having started her career at Covestro, which was originally part of Bayer in 1990, Alita is well acquainted with the organization and brings to the role more than 25 years experience in marketing, sales, product management, human resources, and general management. She has held various leadership positions throughout the company, including time spent in the polyurethanes and inorganic basic chemicals business. Alita also served as head of Bayer U.S. HR Services Organization, which provided HR administrative services for roughly 14,000 Bayer employees. And we're going to talk about that as well, about the importance of having kind of HR experience as you move into a business leadership role. Most recently, Alita served as head of regional project management for North American Polycarbonates business. Now, Alita is a Pittsburgh native, and she received both her bachelor's degree and MBA in marketing and international business from the University of Pittsburgh. She has also just received a doctorate in business administration from Georgia State University, and she continues to support the Pitt community as the vice president of operations for the PBAN Board of Directors, which is a group dedicated to ensuring diversity within the Katz Business School MBA program and as a board member of the Pittsburgh Promise. Alita, welcome to The Rutless Perspective. Thank you very much. (laughs) This is going to be so awesome. So, you know, and in full disclosure, Alita and I got a chance to work together, um, both in HR and then when we did the spinoff for Cabestro. So it's been, it was about six years, I think, six, seven years. I don't know. It was was a long time that we got to work together and went through a whole lot of stuff together. But (laughs) this is going to be about Alita and her amazing journey. And I, what I want you guys to take from this is, a lot about determination and resilience and about the willingness and ability to pivot and also about the willingness to invest in yourself because we don't often do that. And especially as African-American women, we have a hard time doing that. So as we get started, Alita, I want, let's talk a little bit more deeply. You know, I told people like where your title is and everything, but give us a little bit more about what you're actually doing right now. What does it mean to be the SVP of CAS? Okay. Um, Covestro has three significant businesses, polyurethanes, plastics, um, and coatings, adhesives, and specialties. And so we, we, we normally say that you're, you're probably a few inches away from something that was made from one of our chemicals. Yes. Um, our group um, handles uh, bridge coatings, the raw materials that go into bridge coatings that goes into um, uh, coatings on your car. Uh, clear coats on your car, um, adhesives that you find in flex pack, um, some construction adhesives, and then Gorilla also glue, from, right? Pardon me? Gorilla glue, right? Gorilla glue, yes. <laughs> you still remember. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and yes. And um, 
And also in our specialty business, um, the face shields that you see in healthcare um, workers, that is made from some of the raw materials that we send up to our um, sheeting business in South Deerfield. Uh, and so some of that um, results in those products, the film that you have on your passports, the security film. So it's a myriad of products within our group. Right. I'm responsible for, and I always think of it this way, of keeping the group moving in the right direction, right? Helping ah, to define our vision um, and then working with, and we have all functions, I would say, except for manufacturing, all within mm -hmm. our team. So we have product management, sales, um, marketing, uh, we have sales operations. Uh, and so we have all of those different functions moving together from a commercial perspective um, to make sure that we hit our, our sales targets. That's both in the U.S. and in Mexico. We have small business in Canada, but it's mostly in U.S. and in Mexico. Awesome. So, and so, we, <clears throat> go ahead. No, no, go ahead. And so, so as you, when you say kind of keeping it moving forward, talk a little bit about the size of your team now. Hmm. Okay. Um, we have roughly a um, hundred members. Um, last year, specifically in what we call our core classic business. So okay. those classic applications, the ones that I had just referenced, um, we have about 100 people. Um, one of the cool things that happened last year was we went through a reorganization in the past. And anybody who's in a matrix international organization understands that normally you have a couple different bosses. Mm -hmm. In the past, our, our technical group reported um, into our headquarters in Germany. Our marketing group reported into our headquarters in Germany. And so just last year, mid-year, we reorganized. And so we're all now one cohesive team. Great. The cool thing about that is we can move resources around within groups. Um, each one of the, we have uh, four um, sector leads now. Each one of them is now accountable for a market. So we have, for instance, an infrastructure sector lead, and he has technical marketing and sales reporting to him with his focus on that industry. So it's a really That's cool great. transition to where we were. Um, and then there's about another 150 um, individuals that are part of those, we call them um, kind of those downstream businesses. Okay. Uh, that then are also within our, our coatings, adhesives, and specialties team. So like the sheet business that does the Correct. shields. Sheet, elastomers, TPU. Yes, those groups. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I oh, just I forgot about thermoplastic polyurethanes. Thermoplastic <laughs> polyurethanes, <laughs> right? It's a Not so when you work for a company so long that you digested yeah. those acronyms that it's like a, just a way of speaking. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, and, and I think that's, that's the other piece that I, I want to talk about because, you know, as I interview people, I've interviewed people who have, who have moved around a lot in their career. And I've interviewed people who have decided to leave corporate and then just go do their own business. And I've actually got somebody on my interview uh, schedule that left corporate, started her own business and actually is going back to corporate. But you are one of the people who has gone in and stayed and has yeah. had amazing success in doing that. So maybe talk, mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about why just stay? Mm. Um. I think one of the, the, the interesting, the cool things about the company is we're in so many different businesses and we have so many different functions and it's such a large company that I've been blessed that I've been able to work in all three of those businesses. 
Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to one other business that um, is a truly commodity um, play, it's our, our hydro, um, hydrochloric acid and caustic soda business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just to, to explain what I mean by commodity play, if you buy my HCL or, or Laurel, if you were selling HCL, you could put them all in the same tank and no one would know the right. difference. Right. Um, and, and I've been able to work in customer service. I've been able to work in strategic planning. You, you mentioned I was able to work in HR for a while. So it's like every few years being able to, to bounce around and get some different experience and different exposure. Um, I think that folks do that as they leave a company I've just been blessed that I've been able to do that all within the company that I'm in. Well, and what's, what's key about that is, you know, I've talked often to people about movement and you and I've had these conversations about people always think that it, you know, career movement is only up. It's only up and, and trying to get people to think differently about lateral, sometimes even down, sometimes a different complete function. What is it that made you say, you know what? I think I am going to try commodities. That makes sense. Or, I've been in the operations piece of the business a long time, but I'm going to go do this HR thing. So mm-hmm. what was it to you that made you say, no, 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 this really is going to round me out? Or was that what was driving you to do it? So I think it's, it's an interesting combination of things. Uh, and, and I've heard people say, and I didn't appreciate it until I'm in the position I'm in now, mm-hmm. <laughs> that you, you never know who's working behind the scenes to support you. Ah. And for an extended period of time, I've really not had to interview for roles. Mm-hmm. So the, the role that the, the VP role where I moved from the industrial group that I was talking about into coatings for the first time, mm-hmm. I was asked if it was something I'd be interested in. I, I talked to the person who, who had my role at the, at the time um, to mm-hmm. interview for the position and then I was moved into that position. My transition into HR, the president of our company at the time, Greg mm-hmm. Babe, came to me and said, you know what? We would like somebody to go into HR and run our shared services center with a business mindset. Was this something mm-hmm. you'd be interested to do? Um, and then like the, the, those positions then um, thereafter have been kind of people kind of tapping me on the shoulder to, to, um, to ask me if I'd be interested in the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now, the other flip side of that is Folks also know that I'm also interested in, in change. I'm also interested in doing something new. I had a mentor way back when, you know, and it's, it's funny. It's when you start really telling people, we're back in 1990. <laughs> right? I, I had an, a mentor in the mid-90s, um, and he teased me once, and he said, Alita, you go into work right now, and you could do your job blindfolded with two hands tied behind your back. What are you learning? Yep. Are you doing anything different? And ever since that conversation, if another opportunity comes along where I can learn something new and experience something new, add um, some more perspectives kind of in my toolbox, um, be challenged in some new ways, I mm-hmm. have been, I can't think of, I can't think of a time I said no. Well, I take it back. There was one time um, way back in the 90s mm-hmm. where our healthcare group, the buyer group, yes. um, was was interested in me coming over to do sales for pharma. Mm-hmm. But one of the requirements was they wanted me to go door to door and sell, which I understood and appreciated. And, right. you know, how can you have salespeople report to you for pharmaceutical sales and you've never done that in your life? We like you right. to get out and do pharmaceutical sales. And at the time I was like, eh, that, that may not be something that I'm interested in. 
Right. But other than that, I've always embraced the change and the opportunity. Um, you know, some, some positions were tougher than others. Some positions, you know, you learn some different stories than others, Yes, but it's who I am and how I think and how I operate and how I treat people because of all those different experiences. I love that. Um, because we, I was just talking to someone else and we said, you know, there's challenges and you, and you and I had this conversation too, when we were in HR and even when we were, we were, I was still in HR, but you were back in the business is, you know, we always talk about how people move through the organization and, and even you and I had this conversation about safety, right? So this drive to zero and you never want to have an, an accident because you want people to go home the way they came to work. Right. And that's really important. You drive to zero, drive to zero. But the other side of that coin is once you have so many years of no incidents, that means you also have a population that doesn't know how to deal with incidents because they don't have the experience. And so there's right. still value in experience. And we sometimes mm -hmm. forget to take into account the, the value of those battle scars, right? The value yes. of failures, the value of, yes. I didn't know what I was doing and I really messed that up, but you know what? I'll never do that again, <laughs> right? Absolutely. And so, that's, I would say that's, and that's one of the things that I, I think about and I appreciate and I believe that it, it always, as you transition with a new team and they get to know how you are, I'm hopeful that my team right now understands we all make mistakes. I'll be the first mm -hmm. one to tell you if I've made a mistake, but right. please let's not waste a lot of time <laughs> with folks who aren't accepting those mistakes. Cause right. then all you have to do is say, you know what? I didn't realize X, Y, and Z. I calculated, you know, A, B, but I forgot X, Y, and Z. Next time, this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I move forward. I'm going to learn from what I'm saying. We're done. I'm um, done. Yeah. And I think that's important to be able to, huh, to be comfortable. And, and, I, and I have to say this with a smile on my face. Right. <laughs> comfortable to admit when you have made a mistake. Yes. To apologize if you then have hurt someone within or, or that has negatively impacted someone. Mm -hmm. And then to be mature enough to move on right? I think that is critical regardless of where you are. Well, and, and what's important about that, that you say, and, and I want you to talk a little bit about that is then having a culture, because you mentioned it just a minute yes. ago, a yep. culture that doesn't beat people up, fire people, right. you know, ruin careers about right. a mistake. And we're not talking about egregious stuff, right? Theft and Absolutely. You just cost us $45 million. We're not talking about that. But those general mistakes that people make, how do you, especially as you've moved and done other, and built other teams, how do you establish in your teams, regardless of what's going on in the organization, that right. it's normal to make mistakes and we're going to make them, but my expectation is that you admit them and then we fix them and then we keep moving and we don't point blame. How do you do that? I think there's, there's um, two ways of doing that. The first is when you do make a mistake, you immediately own up to it. Mm -hmm. I have done it in team meetings with people. I've done it personally when people give me feedback. I've done it in town halls in front of everybody to explain, um, you know what, this is what I was thinking at the time um, and didn't realize when you guys gave me this feedback, completely missed that. You're absolutely right. Let's move over here. I think the, the, the demonstrating the behavior is important, right? Okay. Demonstrating the behavior yep. is important. I think the second critical thing is, when people then do come to you and say, you know what, I thought I had all, you know, I thought I had all the information. I completely missed this piece or 
<laughs> we thought this was going to happen in the market and it completely did not happen in the market. Mm-hmm. And so I, I get it. I know it can ask some more questions. And then when you just accept the fact of, okay, so what I'm hearing is you made an educated decision based on the information that you had, either something externally changed, something internally changed. Mm-hmm. And now you're telling me, you know, to keep, you know, then for me, it's okay. So yeah. let's, so we're, we're, it's not going to happen again. Right. We can then move on. Um, I think it's your behavior when people do admit things that have happened. Um, and I think it's funny. Sometimes people are like waiting. (laughs) Yes. And a gentleman that called said, Oh, I I got, I got to share this with you. I messed up. And and I'm like, okay. So, um, you know, what were you, what, what were the things that you reviewed beforehand? Um, what would change along the way? What are you going to do now? Okay, cool. Anything else you need to talk about? And it was kind of like the silence. Like, <laughs> right? Wait, wait this. I say no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, you know, if you're, if everyone is running around like crazy folks and not truly making informed decisions, mm-hmm. like you said, or if you are um, truly not being compliant, right? Those for me are errors that, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I would say, yeah, I think those two things demonstrating your own behavior and then mm-hmm. supporting those when they finally do show the behavior. And I guess you could mm-hmm. use that for any behavior, any cultural development item, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That whole, that acceptance piece, right. And the maturity piece um, yep. and the courage, right. Yes. And I know yes. because I was there that the, one of the C's for cholesterol's values is courage. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was, it was interesting during the, um, during the, the organization change. Um, it's one of the, and, and this was an organizational change that I had never experienced before. Something mm-hmm. that was a few layers down with um, that size of the population, um, really changing the way we focused. And we had a gentleman come in to help and support us uh, because anybody who's been in a large organization knows operational execution is what we do. Yes. Change management, maybe not so much. Yeah. So we had somebody come in to support us and one of the, the lessons for me and where I had to show courage was to show vulnerability. Uh, when I didn't know things, um, when I realized that something was going to be so impactful to some of the people in the organization to be able to express how I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that for me was a learning curve. And like you said, just a demonstration of courage yes. and the belief that if you do show some vulnerability, it doesn't mean that hopefully you'll gain more respect than lose right. respect. Right. Right. Well, and that, you know, that's, that's really interesting because um, that's a slippery slope, not only for women, yes. but in particular women of color. Yes. Is being vulnerable. Right. So yes. I was just, just writing this piece and talking to some people about the fact that, you know, I, I know me and I have no problem saying, I don't know, I'll find it out. You know, let's just call this like it is, you know, even town halls and we had the big issue with payroll where a vendor just laid down on us, mm-hmm. right? You, I didn't get up and say, oh my gosh, we don't understand. We're so, you know what, here's what happened and here's what we did to fix it. And here's what we're doing going forward. But we own that, right. HR owns that. You know, we're not passing off to anybody. We own that and we're working with the vendor to make it right. right. But that vulnerability can be dangerous. Yes. And so what words do you have for people? And again, in particular, women and women of color about that decision to step into some vulnerability in their organization. That's a great question. Um, 
I would say, I think, I think it's critical um, for people of color and women, mm-hmm. and then particularly mm-hmm. for a woman of color mm-hmm. to have some kind of track record, right? Yeah. You need to demonstrate some kind of um, results. Um, in a way, there has to be some proof of your mm-hmm. uh of what you can accomplish, right? Yeah. A few ticks the box of things that, that, you know, a few boxes that have been ticked <laughs> mm-hmm. to demonstrate that, okay, oh, Alita is intelligent. Oh, okay. Right. Um, oh, she understands how to run a business. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and I would say that I wouldn't go out of the gate. Alita in 1990, when she joined the company, if I had yeah. showed all the vulnerability that I think I've kind of earned now, it'd be a different right. story. Right. I think, I think you need to balance between demonstrating success. That's what I'm mm-hmm. looking to say, demonstrating success. Yes. Um, and then inter and, and weaving in that success times where you can say, guys, this decision is really tough for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to get a little emotional. I just want to let you know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being able to come out back out of that and then showing some success again. Right. I think it's the same thing for me with, you know, we all had things that didn't go well in our career, right? Right. If you have successive failures and you're not showing any success, for me, it's the same thing as kind of showing vulnerability. If right. you haven't shown some some highlights, and it's okay, Alita's crying again. I can't. We had another meeting. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, right. Wow, that's the fifth thing I've asked her, and she has no idea. She said again, yeah. she doesn't know. I think then it starts ticking away of your credibility. Right. Right. Does that makes sense. It it makes perfect sense because I think okay. that's where where people sometimes, especially early in career, it's really important. And I, and I always hate to say, keep your, keep your head down. Cause that sounds like you shouldn't have an opinion. You shouldn't say anything. You shouldn't engage. That's not what I mean, but it really is, especially early that focus is on making sure that you are performing, that you, mm-hmm. un- and you, that you under, not so much that you're performing, but that you understand what performance looks like in your organization and you yes. do that. Yes. And if that is not and aligned you, with your values, you can understand you can what the deliverable is. Exactly. Exactly. That is critical. And I've, and yes. I've even told some of the people that, you know, in our access network and some other places, I've even told some other people that you have to make sure you talk to your supervisor. You have to make sure you talk to yes. your manager because you definitely need to understand what they're expecting you to deliver. Yes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's a two way street. I mean, I just had this conversation as well is that if somebody is confused about what the deliverables are, that's on the leader because you need to communicate, Mm -hmm. but you individual, you are accountable for understanding. So if you don't, you need to say something. So both people are responsible. Both people are responsible, but ultimately you are accountable for your career. So if you are having a performance issue, you need to say something, you need to clear up the confusion. And then the leaders need to be able to understand the difference between somebody who can't do something and somebody who won't do something. Cause a won't is a whole different conversation. I would agree. I would agree. That's a, let me help you be successful somewhere else conversation. Yes. I would agree. Or or maybe, I think I've heard you say this before, or maybe in a different seat on the bus, right? A different maybe seat you're on the just bus. not in the right seat. Yes. Um, maybe this isn't the right connection for you. Exactly. Because um, there's, and I know you'll agree with me, there's nothing more exciting than connecting a person and their skills and their passions with a position yes. and they just grow. Yes, exactly. And, and having kind of, you down. said that courage to move, right? And to experience something yeah. else. Because you never know, 
you never know what work is the right work for you. And, and every time I coach exactly. people um, or advise people, I'm like, don't tell me what job you want. Tell me the kind of work you want to do. Because yes. if you focus on the work you want to do, that can look like anything. It could be Agreed. any job, any industry, any company, Agreed. any function, because it's the work that makes your soul sing, right? That, and maybe for you, it's learning. I'm the same way. I get bored after a while. So I need to, <laughs> we need to find something else to do, right? Or because, and when I'm bored, my brain locks down. It's just, you know, you just need yeah. to move. So, so, you know, a couple of things that you said too, Alita, about demonstrating the success and building that mm -hmm. social proof for lack of a better word, of no, 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 we can count yeah. on her. She doesn't know what she's doing, right? Mm -hmm. That is all, that is really important from a, from a career perspective and from building that platform from which you can be vulnerable, you can be open, you can flex, you can pivot. But also understanding that having that, that base is also about breadth. So talk a little mm -hmm. bit about how that stint in human resources added to the breadth of experience mm -hmm. and, and may be have formed some of the things that you do as you go forward as a leader. Okay. Um, I think one of the most interesting things. Um, so I spent almost four years in HR. Mm -hmm. I spent up until that time, maybe 15 years in the business. Yes. When I went back to the business, all of my former business colleagues treated me as if I was an HR professional. Okay. Leader. Um, as an HR professional, I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> the one thing I learned with being in an HR for four years, yes. <laughs> I got a lot to learn to be an HR professional. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I learned is that it's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> you know, I, you, you love how everybody thinks everybody else's job is easy, right? Right. I would say, but now to answer your question, I think that the, the one thing I could understand and appreciate is, is like understanding all, from both sides. Mm -hmm. So right now, when I have to recruit somebody, one of the debates that always happens in, in the company is, okay, well, the recruiter hasn't found me anybody yet. Okay. Have you defined your job description? Did you send right. that in? What are you looking for? Okay. You wrote the job description for Alita Richards that had the job for 20 years. Is that really the person you want? Because I'm not going to be able to go out and find an exact Alita Richards to right. replace Alita Richards. Um, so I understand the pre-work that needs to go. It's, it's a partnership. And now mm -hmm. I understand both partners' roles, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and for me, it's not that, well, HR didn't do or we didn't do. Um, it's, it's I liken it to, when I was in HR, uh, when we were part of the business services group, mm -hmm. it was a, a separate company for buyer that handled IT, HR services, and all the rest. Mm -hmm. And we had a, a chat. This was, you think this was light years ago, right? Right. Just an ch internet chat. Ooh, we're so right? excited. You know. <laughs> um, and this was just in the early 2000s, right? But it seems yes. years ago. Mm -hmm. And we were sitting there. And um, at the time, there were questions that would come in about how do you guys decide who gets to be promoted? Um, how are you going to, you know, what's your strategy for blah, blah. And, and most of the time, it'd be like, oh, HR person, can you answer that? Right. And since I was in HR at the time, my perspective was, it's really the business to define how, when you're going to promote people, which your mm -hmm. HR strategy is. I mean, I mean, not the, I don't want to say the tactical or the, the expertise of HR. Right. It's just in general, what kind of culture do you want? That's not the HR person's decision. That's the partnership between business and HR, right? 
And so for me, because I've spent time, and by the way, I understand how hard it is to play people in this country with all the different federal, state, oh, local taxes, yeah, and right? Like you mentioned <laughs> payroll. So right. yeah, I, I, I tease people now, be lucky you got a check. Right? <laughs> you have exactly. no idea how everything is taxed differently. Exactly. I can't do it, but I know it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and so it's, it gives you a, a different appreciation of what the person on the other side of the table is doing. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me now, um, I would say the, there's a, another HR um, colleague, um, Fred Kendrick, he used to work for the mm-hmm. company. He's now moved on and he's doing some mm-hmm. really cool things. And he used to say, you know, it's, it's, it's we can't play checkers. We got to play chess. And I think I now because I've been on both sides. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, I think um, because I've been on both sides of the table, I think I can play some better chess. Mm-hmm. Thinking about, um, and we were just talking about this today, like our strategic staffing plan, given what's going on in the economy right now. Right. Um, because I personally, you know, and, and I should say all the managers at Cavestia are doing the best that we can to make sure that we don't have to negatively impact a whole bunch of mm-hmm. our employees because right. we haven't successfully planned, right? Right. Um, and then I can appreciate, because I've done a little bit of time in HR, how important it is and those aspects that we need to think about to be able to do it well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's kind of like, and, and I'll put on and I am, a, and I'll, I'll say it probably incorrectly, but I've been saying it for so long, you have to bear yeah. with me. I am truly an old sales guy, right? Right. That, and, and really, there were no women when I started. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and for me, there's two areas that it'd be great if, if you really wanted to move up to different levels in the organization. You got to go out and spend time with the customer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? You, you have to go out and spend time talking to the customers. And if that is in, an, in a sales account role, that is very important. Mm-hmm. And really, you should spend time in HR yeah. because we always say um, people are our biggest asset. Mm-hmm. And if you spend time in HR, you really get to understand the nuance of how you really take care of those assets. Yes. Um, so for me, it's a, uh, yeah, oh, did sales. Great. Oh, done these other things. Oh, also dabble a little bit in HR. That for me is a, a well-rounded kind of perspective. I love that. And, and one of the key things, there were two key things that you just said in that. One of that is about culture because people like to think that HR owns culture. HR does not own culture. No. The business owns culture. HR's responsibility is to let the business know when what they say they want does not align with what they actually do. When there is a culture disconnect, HR is like the gatekeeper, right? But HR sees people maybe maybe 5% of the time in their whole career. Right. The business is the one that they're with all the time and sets the culture. So that's really important. Um, And HR people, you need to understand that. And the other thing that you said that was really important is that understanding of how that management of the human capital asset is so important, whether that's hiring, whether that's promoting, whether that's, and and, and understanding your impact of that, that stuff that you do not only on the person you're doing it to, but on everybody else who's watching. Absolutely. And if Absolutely. you haven't spent time in understanding, and like you said, it's not the compliance piece, because that's, that's always a pain in the butt to everybody. It's important, but it's not, it's not the be all and end all. The real right. key is all of the nuanced pieces of HR. The fact that 
everything you do impacts more than the two people in that conversation and that people talk and people are people. Yes. So you got to understand that. And that HR people need to understand the business, right? Because you can't support the management of the human capital asset if you don't understand what's going on in the business, including working overnight in the plant. Like I did. Right. Great. Because they cooked yep. for me and I was... I was very happy. So, <laughs> as much as I am sun driven and hating being up all night, that was some of the best work mm-hmm. and information that I got. And I, I still love my Baytown guys. I, they are just, they are my heart. I love them. Mm-hmm. And they, um, they took care of me at night. Um, even when the raccoons were like walking behind me, trying to get in the building behind me. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, that's just, that's just Ralph. He's all right. I'm like, no, sir. <laughs> Ralph needs to go somewhere else because yeah, I'm not having Ralph. Um, so, so you know, Alita, as you as you think about all of this, the pivots that you've made, the understanding of what it really takes to to be successful, um, mm-hmm. and be successful long term in a business that has lots of opportunity. What was the biggest surprise along your journey? Ooh. Hmm. Um, I, th- I think it's, I think it's interesting that <laughs> some people who I've worked with years ago, mm-hmm. right. Um, or even just say more than five years ago, that really have not had to work um, with me on any consistent basis, still hold on to either the reputation or their perceptions or their memories of working with me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's not like I had to do anything different that I had to continually reconnect that, that, that but it's just that it's, it's amazing how long the human memory lasts for yes. good or for bad. Right. Mm-hmm. I've had, I've also run into some folks where, okay, I, I may have, you know, earlier in my career, I know, I'm not going to act like I haven't made a, a mistake yesterday, but right. <laughs> Let's, let's say there's something that didn't go quite right earlier in my mm-hmm. career that are still on that memory. Yes. Um, and, and so for me, I've learned, you know, you can't take that personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I've realized is, and, and one of the things that is, is I think critical, particularly as a, a woman of color, is my first assumption will not be that you're doing, you made a decision or that you're saying something, you're treating me because I am a black woman. Mm-hmm. I'll at least give, you know, benefit of the doubt. And this right. is advice that I give to a, a number of, of folks in the organization right. or anybody else I talk to. Right. I said, after, after those, the perceptions were changed, because if, if I can, if I can gauge that that's the way you are, if you have a positive memory of somebody that was 10 years ago, Mm-hmm. And you would still hire me based on a positive memory of something 10 years ago. Right. And I need right. to appreciate that. Mm-hmm. If I've done something 10 years ago that just didn't go well, that impacted you personally, and you're still mm-hmm. holding on to that from 10 years ago, what I try to do is really either try to build the relationship, um, at least to demonstrate for those, and it's easier for those who think positively, right? To, to right. build more credibility that's more recent. Right. And for those who are still living in the past to kind of help them at least see some of the things that I've done since I've been there. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just amazing to me. Um, and, and that's why, honestly, when I'm looking to hire people and you mm-hmm. have folks, oh, I've worked with them for 20 years. Okay. 
you actually work with them for 20 years or you right. work with them 20 years ago and you've known them for 20 years and you have no right. idea what they've done, you know, right. <laughs> the last 15 minutes. Right. So I think it's just appreciating human memory. Mm-hmm. And I think the second thing and, and something else that that's important is, um, is learning. And you mentioned this before, mm-hmm. um, is, is actually dedicating time to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That I never realized how important that would be. Like you said, what what are some of the things that are most important? Like aha moments. Yes. Um, The six months that I spent in China, Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about me. Um, I learned a lot about Asia. Yeah. (laughs) Um, In the past, traveling to Europe and Germany, I know you've done it many times working for this company. I've worked for a German-owned company. I've been to Germany enough times that, and and I always gauge it's like going to Houston now. Yeah. If you're really comfortable going someplace, eh, if I forget a toothbrush, it's toothbrush. It's okay. I know where I can go buy one. Right. Okay, I can go pick that up. I know. I know how to navigate the community. Right. Germany was that way. Is that way? You know, Houston, some of the cities in in the U.S. Mm -hmm. were. For me, APAC was completely different. China was completely yeah. different. And after six months, and it was a realization for me that I had my own misconceptions. Yes. Um, and you spent time with me in China and we had a blast. Yes. Um, that, so fun. Yeah, that, yeah, I know. <laughs> that it's, I got to get out. I got to learn more. I've got to experience yeah. more because it's just, it's eye opening what you learn. It's like the mm-hmm. going to get my degree. Right. Um, it's just amazing what you don't know what you don't know, right? <laughs> Until exactly. you're part through it. Exactly. And, and now I've said with, and, and I won't even count, it'll be, it'll be 30 years in September working for Cavestro. Wow. I don't mean to make that face about Cavestro. I'm making, girl, stop. I'm making that face. <laughs> 30 I'm making years. that face because right. that's really starting to tell you about me. Right. I'm talking about the years that I worked on my way in my undergrad to get to Cavestro. So right. it's even more than 30. <laughs> um, but it's, I'm just amazed at how much you can still learn, even yes. after working 30 years. Yes. Uh, MS and, and, Teams and, is one, and getting on this Zoom call was another. <laughs> right? Well, and, and I think, but I think that's important. So even, I remember when you were first thinking about getting your, your doctorate, because um, you didn't make that a big public thing. It was, I mean, very few people knew that you were going to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and for a number of reasons and, and, you know, some, some personal, some <laughs> company cultural. Um, yeah. But, but when you think about, you know, that decision and that decision to invest in you at this mm-hmm. stage in your career. Exactly. Tell people kind of what that was. Cause I think, you know, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day who was like, Oh, I don't know. You know, I was going to go, I wanted to sit for this exam, but I was going to have to take all this many classes. So I may as well go get my MBA, but then it's going to take me two years. I'm like, it's going to be two years anyway. So why don't you just do it? Exactly. Right. So, exactly. cause at the end of two years, then you'll have it. So what was it for you? That was the impetus that said, you know what? I'm worth doing this. And it's something that I want. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, um, there's a, I, I, I had a, a previous mentor and I have to go back a little bit. Um, Roger Smith. Mm-hmm. He was the reason why I'm back to get my MBA. Because at one point in time, this is Alita, every time you come in here, we talk about you going back to school. This would have been in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, you know what? If you'd have started the first time we talked about it, you'd already been through Be two done. semesters of school. Yep. Right? And I thought about it, and I thought, <clears throat> okay. 
And it was kind of the same, the same viewpoint with this. It was, well, um, it was a, a big investment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that, you know, you, you always also think about, oh, I'll do that when I retire. Right. Um, oh, I'll, I'll wait until I do, I'll wait and do that. And I thought now I'm in the financial position and in agreement with my, you know, with my husband, that, yeah. hey, this would be a good investment. We now have the money because we're both working. We might mm-hmm. as well do it now. And it was the type of thing of just bite the bullet and just go in there and get it done. Um, I have to give, send props out to my daughter, Dr. Mm-hmm. Davis. So there she was go. also, there's also some competition between the two of us as to who was going to get their doctor first. Right. <laughs> she won. Yes. <laughs> and she never let me forget it. Yeah. So, so, so having those, those personal influencers also helps. Yes. Um, and it was just, I remember the first, so the program you worked off site, and then I would go down to um, Atlanta three days a week, every month mm-hmm. over a three year period. And I would say just the semester, the spring semester and the fall semester. So it's not right. the summertime we had off, but we had projects. I can remember the first three day session and the, the caliber of the people in that, in the, in the team just, I mean, blew your mind. Mm-hmm. And so at the end, after we're doing all the introductions, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to keep up with all these folks, right? And then after we started getting into class and all the homework and the reading, <laughs> I'm like, what in the world have I done? Um, and, and part of it is, and you alluded to it, part of it is, it was a personal decision on my part. Right. Only my direct supervisor, a couple of, of the two, you know, two direct people that had to mm-hmm. kind of bless it, the president of the company at the time. And my, um, my German boss at the time, it was wonderful. Both of them were mm-hmm. wonderful, um, supported it. Cause I wanted to make sure they knew when I was taken off a Thursday, Friday, where I was just right to, right. Um, exactly. But I did kind of keep it quiet partly. And this goes to confidence Yes. for women and people of color. I thought, Ooh, if I don't make it right, two like <laughs> people that knew I didn't make it instead of everybody. Right. right. Um, and a part of it is I didn't want everybody asking me every 15 minutes, how's it going? Yeah. And the third reason was I can remember when I was sitting in a cube and we had people, you know, that were also pursuing a degree and they mm-hmm. spent a lot of time in the office working on their degree. Right. And I didn't want, and if I were out, because you know, my schedule, I was traveling yes. a lot. Um, you know, just going out, traveling to Germany a lot, mm-hmm. in a lot of meetings, I didn't want the perception to be Alita is now working on her, working on her schoolwork and she's not doing her regular work up. Oh, she's out again. Right. right. And so as it got closer after year one was done, tick the box, huh, year two was yes. done. Okay. Tick the box. Okay. A little few more people knew because every time I said, okay, I'm going away for the week. And they're like, Oh, you're going to see your daughter. Nope. Not going out to see my daughter. Right. <laughs> um, and, and then the, the amazing part, all of the, and this is something that I'm sure your listeners and I'm sure you would mm-hmm. understand and appreciate. Then after it was done, I felt, I felt foolish because of all the overwhelming support I got from everybody who heard about it at, at work. Yeah. I was getting calls from people in Germany that I hadn't seen in 10, 15 years congratulating me, Dr. Yes. Richards. There's a gentleman that still, every time, Carson Daniel, yes. every time we still connect, Dr. Her, you know, Dr. Richards. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, and then so for me, it was like, why was I so nervous and worried? Um, and just a, a wonderful kind of support. 
particularly all the people in our, you know, our African-American employee network. Right. A few of you kicked my butt. My daughter yes. went on my LinkedIn account to make sure I put doctor in my LinkedIn account. I was yes. Like, no, I really don't want to do that. <laughs> I can't believe we even so have to have that conversation. people aren't listening to me, there's part of you has to be just a little bit proud of what you do. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> not everybody, you, you have, you've joined an elite group. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Yeah. Everybody doesn't have one, right? Everybody doesn't yeah. have one. And so you've joined an elite group and you worked to get it. It wasn't given to you. You worked to get it. Yes. And that's important, right? Yep. And you made that decision. Absolutely. And I would yes. say this, and this is the advice I give to people. You have got to want it. Yes. More so than an MBA. Mm-hmm. Um, because there, there were times along the way, and I think each one of us in that program, and we had... Mm-hmm. We had one of the best, I think everybody has now completed the program. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, they've, they've defended their dissertations and all the rest. Um, there was a time in that program that each one of us was like, just broke down. I mm-hmm. quit. I can't take it anymore. And then there came a point where we all agreed. We lost about three members. Mm-hmm. And then we, 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 we all agreed and said, look, if anybody feels this way, even my daughter said, there's going to come a point where you're sitting at the table at two in the morning. Yes. <laughs> And you, and you're going to be like, I quit. And we would help each other in between personal support and you, right. Um, And some other folks in the office, um, Christine and Lanier Mm -hmm. and some other folks, um, you know, just being supportive and my family being supportive. And I think that's what we all need. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a, it's a way to get through because that, that was, that was a test. That was, that was a test. (laughs) And, and, and here's the thing that I think is important for you guys as you're listening to Alita is I don't think we give ourselves credit, especially people of color and in particular women of color, about how resilient we are, how much strength and determination we have, because here's the reality, right, wrong, or indifferent. If we have made it this far, we have probably won 45 marathons before anybody else starts their sprint. And so it is simply a decision. Just like I remember a long time ago, I had someone say, oh my gosh, politics, I just can't pay politics. And I'm like, no, 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 you can play politics. The question is, do you want to? Because we learn very early to play the game. We don't have a choice. We have to learn to play the game. The question is, do you want to? And then how well do you do it? Simple as that. And I would say, absolutely. And I think it's the same thing that's important is that I think people only only um, believe or talk as if there's politics only in corporate America. There's politics, family. I've got family members I know I have to approach a certain way. Right. This that I need to go to that I have to get a certain mindset for. I know there's alliances that okay if I talk to this aunt and that cousin and get them aligned and then we go talk to this person. So so let's let's not act like the only time we have to deal with politics. Yes. Um, it's in corporate America. And I would say this, and let's, and let's, because of everything that's going on, let's, let's take yep. the politics word, political word out of it. Yes. Um, I was reading some research a while ago. And, and for me, it's, uh, it's, it's when you have to, to, to take into consideration things beyond just facts. Yes. So no human being really just makes decisions based on soul facts. Mm-hmm. I mean, even I will admit, you can give me 90% facts, probably 10% of that's going to be instinct, gut, something mm-hmm. I experienced before. Right. And so the, the quote unquote politics we're talking about are all those other things that yes. you deal with 
to influence and make decisions that go beyond a fact. Yes. That's what we're talking about. And that's yes. just, that's the inherent nature of, of life. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have been married and I won't say how many years. I already told you how many years I've been working, right? <laughs> um, it, it takes, it's, it's beyond just facts, yes. right? Yes. So like you said, I think you said it wonderfully. You have to decide yes. whether or not you want to, hand, to deal with the politics Yes. Um, in a corporate America, because you really are doing it anyway. In every exactly. Other aspect, particularly as a woman and particularly yes. as, a, as, as a woman of color. Yes, absolutely. It's just, it's, it's daily existence. It yes. just looks different. It just looks yes. different. And yeah. so we think it's different, but it's not. It's all the same game. Yeah. It's all the same game. So, yes. so exactly. So as we end, Alita, because I want to be respectful of your time. So as we end, what is a key piece of guidance you would give to someone as they are now stepping back after they've heard everything you've said and they're stepping back and saying, okay, so what do I want to do? What do I want this to be for me, this career to be for me? What is a key piece of guidance you'd give for them or to them? So there's, um, it's two words that I always think about firefighters and firelighters. Okay. Um, and, and for me, um, and I believe it's, it comes out of how to be a star at work, right? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you want to surround yourself with firelighters. The folks that, because all the things we talked about, right? The mm -hmm. obstacles, the stress, the, the, the need to be successful, the need to deliver, um, the managing of mistakes, the, the, um, the handling your successes. You need to have folks around you. And, and Laurel, I would say that you're one of my firelighters. Those yeah. folks around you that keep your soul pumping, that you can vent mm -hmm. to or talk to, um, that you could get some really real advice, not people who's going to tell you what right. <laughs> they think you want you to hear. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that can, when you're down, just build you up, right? Mm -hmm. And then on conversely, you need to stay away from the, fire, the um, firefighters. Mm -hmm. The folks that just may be consistently negative that, and, 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 you know, and I would say it, it's, it's evident in how you feel after conversation. Yes. There are folks that I talk to, like I would say after this conversation, I've had fun. After yes, this conversation, you just feel lighter. You feel happy. You feel calm. And then there are other conversations where you just, it just feels like it's, it saps your soul. Mm -hmm. I would say, hey, um, I am sure your listeners are intelligent. You know, they understand what they need to do. Um, they're educated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, 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 the operational stuff is probably there, right? Right. So right. make informed decisions, you know, manage all that kind right. of stuff. Right. What I have found is the times that I'm the most successful is when I have folks around me that can help build me up and I avoid the folks that just are not there in that, that mindset. Um, I love and it. I would say, I mean, it is nothing, <laughs> it's, it's nothing um, significant or, you know, probably won't be quoted in the hundred, the, the 10 <laughs> best quotes of the world. Right? right. But I found that that is really sometimes the only way you get through. Like I mentioned mm -hmm. with when getting through my, the, the doctor program, mm -hmm. If it hadn't been for the folks to help me maneuver that mm -hmm. as those firelighters, 
that would have been tough. Yeah. That yeah. would have been tough. God, and that's you, good. You don't have access to any, go out and find some. Yes. I guarantee you, whether it's a mom, aunt, a manager, a former manager that you really, mm-hmm. really um, a mentor, um, a girlfriend, a husband, a right. wife, a partner, you know, your life partner. I that that's for me the only way to get through. Right. Find somebody. Find yep. that help. Hope Find that, that was help. sage enough for you. Oh no, that was that was amazing because because I've never heard anybody put it like that. Fire lighters and firefighters, um, yep. and it wasn't and I, it wasn't what I thought you were going to go. I'm like, ooh, fire lighters as in lighting the fire within your soul. That was good. That was yeah. really good. I can't yeah, own so, it. I can't own it, but it's something that is stuck in my brain. I love it. I love it having those fire lighters. Well, I tell you, Alita, this has been we we could talk for another two hours. So um, I know thank we you. Could. We could. It was so much fun. And thank you so much for being on the show. I mean, I really think that people seeing what you've done and how you've done it and your success is really going to be um, a fire lighter for a number of people. And and that's what I want. I want people to see that there are all possibilities. Everybody's career looks different. And whatever you choose is the right thing for you. Just make sure you're paying attention to that and choosing it for yourself. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime. And I appreciate all of you that are listening to the Rutledge Perspective. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will catch you the next time. Take care. Okay. See you later. You have been listening to the Rutledge Perspective. Thank you for tuning in. If we've given you a new perspective or helped you clarify your own, please give us a five-star rating. You can find more information about this and other episodes of the show on laurelrutledge.com slash podcast, and you can subscribe to the show where you get your favorite podcasts. You can also follow me on social media. Oh, and if there's someone you think would enjoy or benefit from the Rutledge perspective, please pass it along. Thank you for tuning in. 